MS sucks. I know. I've lived with it since 1998, and man, it's been one hell of a roller coaster. When people ask, how are you doing? I say, fine. Great. Really? Most of the time, it's a lie, because we're programmed to hide our struggles. I'm not a doctor or a researcher. I'm just a normal guy talking from experience. And let me tell you, sharing those experiences with other people living with MS has made my life a hundred times better. So get ready for a belly up to the bar, honest conversation with real people who at first hesitate to tell the truth about life with MS, but eventually let it all hang out. I'm your host, Jim Fairchild. How you really doing? How much do you believe in yourself? When you put your feet on the ground in the morning, are you focusing on your power or limitations? My next guest, Chloe Cohen, was diagnosed with relapsing remitting MS in 1998, the same year I was. She had had a traumatic head injury, and within hours, she was having tremors on her left side. She was only 20 years old and an aspiring cellist. That all changed. The early years after diagnosis were lonely for Chloe, as they are for a lot of us. In order to find some people to share with, she co-founded an MS support group, and man, am I thankful she did. I've been involved with this group since 2007, and you can really see Chloe's personality stamp all over it. The meetings are always upbeat and positive, just like she is. I have known Chloe for over 10 years now, and in that time, I have seen her belief, the trust in herself, skyrocket. It hasn't been easy, but she has created a recipe that allows her power to shine through, despite any limitations that MS has brought on. Chloe knows she didn't get MS at such a young age to cry about it, she's here to teach and to share her story. Whether it be in the gym and lifting more weight than she ever thought she could, speaking at MS events, or in her writing, she is a true example of how hard work, tenacious perseverance, and soulful desire can lead to amazing things. Chloe and I have been honored to be involved in the most recent National MS Society's awareness campaign. Through black and white pictures and heartfelt videos, we got to tell our stories. And man, it was profoundly touching for both of us. In this podcast, Chloe mentions walking into the photo shoot while I was getting my picture taken, and it brought her to tears. I think that's the power of this campaign. It really touches our souls. For me, it's my daughters. For Chloe, it's a loss of her musical abilities. I'll put links to these pictures and videos in the show notes so you can check them all out, along with Chloe's book. Yep, that's right. She has written a book, an ebook that will come out in May of 2019. So, without further ado, here is Chloe Cohen. I am here with Chloe Cohen, and Chloe, I'm so very happy to have you here with me, so thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yes, and you know, this is literally the third time we have recorded a podcast. The first two were done over Skype about, well, years ago, and technically they didn't work out, but I gotta tell you, everything works out for a reason, right? Because now, there's so much more to talk about, and... If we hadn't, if it hadn't been till now, then I couldn't ask you this very first question that I want to ask, and that is that this morning I read a post on Facebook that yesterday you did a squat with 95 pounds, and that's amazing. So would you tell me about that? I want to start by looking at what's current, and then go back and look at where you came from. All right. Yeah, I never thought in a million years that I would be able to do that, and it was. Um, long 
long time coming. I've been working out for a very long time with the same trainer, but, and he always pushes me, and he always gets me to the edge, you know, where I'm like, I just don't think this is going to happen, and he's like, you could do it. And then I do it. So when he said that yesterday, he's like, all right, we're going to try for 95 pounds. And I'm like, I only weigh 110 pounds. This is (laughs) not right. You know, I'm a small person. But what it showed me, because I did it four times, not just once, was how strong I really am. And I don't know, but afterwards I got so emotional about just going back in time and thinking how much of a struggle, you know, just using my left arm was mm-hmm. to being at this point where I'm in a gym lifting 95 pounds and never would have thought. But now I'm like, well, if I can do that, what else what's I do? next? Right. And, and my trainer's like, next week we're hitting triple digits. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? Yeah. But, you know, it's because of him, uh, partially because of him, mm-hmm. that I've been able to see this this change and this growth. You know, I don't think that even working out by myself all these years, I would have never recarved these pathways because he constantly challenges mm-hmm. my brain, mm-hmm. not my muscles as much yep. as my brain. Yeah. And so that's, neuroplasticity is a very real thing. It is a real thing. And I do believe that working out with somebody is such a help because they do push you. I mean, would you ever have tried to lift 95 pounds yourself? No, I probably wouldn't even tried 50. Right, exactly. I <laughs> right. mean, it, it's amazing. and. What does that do for you personally? I mean, confidence-wise, where does that put you? Huge confidence boost, you know. And I know, you know, living with this illness is never an easy thing. Definitely the beginning is the most brutal. When you think life's over, you're never going to be able to do anything you once mm-hmm. could again. Mm-hmm. And then you do something like this, and the confidence boost, the triumph over adversity, I'm like, what? Anything is possible. Yeah. If you put your mind to it. And that's where I think a lot of we a lot of us kind of lack in that that brain development of positivity. Like you can do it. You know? And there's a, a quote I think by Henry Ford that says, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Right. Because whatever you think is what you can do, right? Right. And so how does that um, help you in what you want to do next? When you look at where you came from, and I want to talk about your diagnosis here in a minute, mm-hmm. but um, if the doctors have told you 10 years ago, in 10 years you're going to be able to lift or do a squat with 95 pounds, would you have believed them? No. Definitely not. So if they would have said 10 years ago, Chloe, in 10 years, you're not going to be able to squat 95 pounds. Would you have believed them? Probably would have believed that more than uh, me doing it, unfortunately. Yeah, which I think that's a very, for me, that has been very important to, it's what you listen to Mm -hmm. and what you allow into your mind that is such a pathway for what you're capable of doing, right? And it's that mind-body connection of your mind is so powerful. So... I am extremely proud of you for pushing the way you do. And I loved reading your post on Facebook because you just get so exuberant about things. You're so pumped up about it. And it's just, it's life-changing for you. It's, yeah. And it helps everybody else you're around that how, how much you get pumped up about it. Yeah. To exemplify how amazing it is, um, tell us what your diagnosis was like. 
and when that happened because you and I are diagnosed in the same year. With the OGs. OGs. <laughs> the OGMSers. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, I was diagnosed in 1998, along the same year as you. Yep, yep. Uh, but Differ different age, yeah. Different age, different time, but... I was 28. How old were you? 20. Okay. Uh, and for me, it was kind of really fast because I hit my head, and that triggered uh, my initial symptoms. So within about, I want to say... An hour after hitting my head, wow. my left side was shaking. And being 20 years old, you think, oh, it'll go away. It's like a cold or something. So I just sat on my hand for a few weeks. Wow. I was in denial. That is very much the first stage. Yeah. But uh, my roommate at the time worked at the ER. And she was like, Chloe, I don't know what's going on with you, but whatever it is, it's not right, and you need to get it checked out. I mean... She was a nurse in the ER. She'd seen some really messed up shit, and so she knew mm -hmm. what was ever going on with me was not right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then it, it became, then actually, my mother and her and I went out to lunch, and she's like, Marsha, that's my mom, asked Chloe to pick up that glass with her left hand. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. Like, so, because I couldn't do it. It was just shaking and shaking. And so my mom instantly knew there was an issue. She's a smart lady, got me into doctors as fast as possible. And it, at 20 years ago, it wasn't generally a, as quick of a diagnosis as it is these days. Uh -huh. yeah. So there was multiple tests, e EKGs, EEG, e I don't yeah. know, all, all the, of all it. All those letters. All the blood tests. And spinal tap. I did not have to Ooh, get it. Ooh, you lucky dog. I, well, I don't know. Yeah, because that, that first faster. image of the MRI, seeing your brain yeah. with spots all over mm -hmm. it, pretty traumatic to a 20-year-old, you know, because I know what a healthy brain looks like. Sure. Whatever is going on there, that is not good. And I didn't know. So, but what I knew was my mom's face. Ah. And when the uh, doctor said, this looks like she has MS, and seeing her face drop open. Uh -huh. And what I realized afterwards was that my mom was a therapist, and she had a client who was a ballerina who got MS. Gotcha. So she had seen, like, the worst case so, scenario. And she equates you to that right away. Yeah. So uh -huh. immediately she's like, great. You Did know. you know what MS was? Never knew. Yeah. No. No. And I... I thought at first it was like a terminal thing. Uh -huh. Like now that you have this, you're going to get really sick. Uh -huh. and, but actually in those initial days, I was so messed up um, psychologically over what was physically happening that it's kind of just a big blur those beginning days because I had no, I didn't know what was going to happen the next day. Sure. You know, and your body wasn't yours. I mean, it's, no. it's totally different. And I think that's one of the hardest things to accept is mm -hmm. that, you know, everything you knew before was now different and you were going to have to learn how to figure it out yourself. And you're 20 years old. So yeah. it's like, this is not part of the plan. No, this is not what I had in mind. No. And what were your passions at that time? I was a cellist. Mm -hmm. I was in college kind of studying music. <laughs> I say kind of because I had such a fear of 
severe fatigue, but this was prior to my diagnosis, and I never didn't make the connection till sure. post, obviously. Uh -huh. But uh, yeah, I was planning on being a musician, and then I lost the use of my left side. So I had to flip that passion into something else, and that's where the turntables come uh -huh. came into play. So you became a DJ. And did that fulfill your music desire? Uh, pretty much. It is not the same, and I'm still in search of that new thing. Mm -hmm. I've tried to play my cello again, my arm's better, so it's like, uh, but because I was so good, and then to kind of have to start again new, it's too frustrating for me. So I'm like, yeah. just learn a new instrument. Mm -hmm. Do something different, because that was then, and this is now. So... And, and as we have spoken about before, it, it never feels the same, right? I mean, no. you imagine it a certain way, and you're hoping it feels that way, but it never truly feels that way. Mm. And so for me, when I try to do something that I used to do, and I'm wanting to re-experience it or I wanted to experience it, you have to change your perspective of what it's actually going to feel like, you know? Right. So um, what have you done? This is a, it's only been 20 years, but uh, you know, yesterday you, you squatted 95 pounds and how did you go from not being able to lift the bow for the cello to squatting 95 pounds in oh, 20 years, in a mere 20 years? A mere, just yeah. 20 years. Uh, took a lot of courage. Courage is huge. Huge. I mean. This ain't, this shit ain't easy, man. No, it's not. And I think, you know. There's a lot of trial and error and a lot of like mistakes, not actually mistakes, but times that it was like, nope, this isn't going to work. Yeah. But I think that, you know, I found the right trainer. Mm -hmm. I really Which looked at with him. Which is huge. He's yeah. like my brother. Yeah. I've never had a brother, but I feel like he's the closest I'll ever get to of our brother. Sure. And, um, and it's important to have somebody that you can trust and that pushes you and, and you don't get turned off by him pushing right. Oh, even yesterday, after I did that, yeah. he was like, Chloe, you remember when we first came here where you could barely even lift that bar? Yeah. Like, this is mind-blowing to me. Like, yeah. Okay, so another mind-blow is that you and I were diagnosed the same year, and I moved, to, I moved from Colorado to Vancouver in about 2007, mm -hmm. and I've known you almost as long. And so I've known you for about... I don't know, 11 years. And I remember when I first met you, what things were like and that you were just starting with this trainer. Mm -hmm. And you've been going strong to yeah. get this strong right. for that long. That is courage. That's tenacity. You are a strong person. And so that strength, how does that carry you through with this MS on a daily basis? I mean, it's a constant battle. I'm not going to deny it. Like, I am doing better than I've ever done. Right. But there's always that thing in the back of your head. I still have MS. Yeah. I still don't. I'm still not healthy. Yeah. But, you know, I do think that I look at those experiences, like lifting that 95 pounds mm -hmm. or the muck fest that I did, which yes. I never thought I'd be able to do. Right. These are all things that I'm like, I did these things. What am I going to be able to do next? That's the way I'm trying to look at it. 
right and not get too intimidated so one time at the ms group you had said something about i think you call it survivor's guilt kind of like you're doing better and you feel bad about that because you still know that you have ms does that slow you down and how do you work through that that's a good question i think you know it's the survivor guilt is more about the other people with MS who aren't getting any better, who might just be getting worse. Mm -hmm. Like, why are all of these people having to suffer so much when I'm getting better daily? Mm -hmm. You know, like, mm -hmm. so again, that's my survivor's guilt. But what I've realized also is like, I have pushed myself, given myself the strength to to be where I'm at absolutely and to use that strength to help others see that we're not it's not a empty that you can do it too <laughs> yeah and because uh, I think especially when you're initially diagnosed and you think your life is over and to hear w words from someone who's lived through that experience kind of say you know it's not all bad things get better and you're gonna have some pitfalls. This is the nature of the illness. But if you can stay more on the positive side of remembering, oh my God, I lifted 95 pounds. Huge. Oh my God, I climbed over that giant wall uh -huh. or whatever it may be, you know? And I, those are the things that keep me going. It's like, okay, I did that. Now let's keep on pushing. And that keeping on pushing is, is a characteristic that you can have and, and you're very good at that. Mm -hmm. um, I thought about this when I was preparing these questions is that I'm in a wheelchair now and things are different, you know? So there is a difference when you, I was thinking about survivor's guilt mm -hmm. and I'm like, man, I'm totally different than I was when we first met. Right. And it's like the course of the disease, right? It's different for everybody. I don't still look at things as if I'm screwed. You know, I'm in a wheelchair and things are different you're walking, you're doing that. I don't look at that as I'm screwed and done something wrong. I just feel like this is my place right now. And that when I get used to where I'm at, that I still have a lot to give and a lot to be a part of. Um, um, although this is very scary when, when somebody newly diagnosed comes to an MS group, mm -hmm. that's what they're scared of is being in a wheelchair. Right. So, I think I know where you're going. Yeah. I will say this. There were many years that I was almost jealous of people in wheelchairs hmm. because they had a visual cue to other people, uh, right? Living with invisible, I got cut uh, off from bars and called out, you know, all those experiences. People thought I was drunk all right, the time. Right, right. And having to navigate through the world where you don't have a sign tattooed on your forehead, mm. I have MS, or yeah. you're not using an aid. I, I used a cane for a little while, yeah. and that was great because it kind of cued people into that I'm not drunk. Well, some of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, and then getting Hatchet also helped a lot because- and Describe who Hatchet is. Hatchet is my dog. Uh -huh. He was a service dog. Mm -hmm. He was for mobility, trained for mobility. Um, but really for me, he was more of a cue to the public that I'm not drunk or on drugs or whatever. It was like, there's something going and you, she's a service dog, so uh -huh. there must be something. You and do you ever feel like just telling people, hey, I have MS, it, it, I, and just getting rid of that look on their face of what's going on with you. Yeah. 
And I, I'm lucky because I'd say in the last five to eight years, maybe, you know, uh, my symptoms have lessened. And I know from all of the, the work I've done and also I'm, I'm a talker. I don't uh -huh. know if you figured that out. So yeah. I am happy yeah. to talk about my ass. Yes. I want people to be aware. And so I feel it's like my duty in a way to inform people about MS. Like every lift ride I take, uh -huh. I feel is practice for me. Sure. Because I get to be like, well, this is what I do. This is who I am. And it's amazing how many times the lift driver's like, oh, my aunt has MS. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's something that I've seen more often than not recently. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody knows somebody with it. Always. I mean, and, and millions. I, always, I feel the same way that I'd rather talk about it than not. And mm -hmm. so I'd rather have somebody ask me what's going on than not um, because people right. don't know. I think a lot of people look at me in a wheelchair and they think I'm a first responder or that I was in the war or something like that is what I get a lot. Mm. Um, but I would much rather talk about it like right. you. Right. Um, so the practice, um, what are you practicing for? Um, well, I've been doing some speaking for the MS Society, the gala and such, and... Uh, I was asked to speak in D.C. at the National Multiple Sclerosis Public Policy Conference. How cool is that? It is amazing. It's also a little intimidating. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I, I have felt, at least for the last five years, that this is my duty. You know, I fought it for so many years because I wanted to be that musician and right, that I right, wasn't. Right. And well, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And I did major in communications in college because I was like, I'm not going to be a music major anymore. But um, so I did gain the skills of communication. And I'm so grateful for that because I know that what I say is going to be effective to sure. whoever's listening. Mm -hmm. So I, d I do know that this happened to... I got MS so young so I can teach others about it, so I can help others get through that initial battle because I was alone. I don't know if you were totally alone. Oh, you were married, though. Yep. I don't know if she was helpful at all in your... Yeah, you know, we did the best we could with the tools we had right. back then. And it, I had a lot of support around me, but denial ain't just a river in Egypt nope. because I denied, 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 and I just kept on acting like nothing was wrong. You know, that's where I came yeah. and I just pushed. I always pushed. I worked really hard and, you know, looking back, I don't know if that made my MS worse, but I made it through my job and I did the best that I could with what I had, Right. you know, and that's all I could do. I do feel like now I literally feel like I'm in a wheelchair for that same reason so that I can teach people what it's like and the pitfalls of being in a wheelchair and mm -hmm. I just feel like I'm a teacher and I feel like this is all happening for that reason and I feel like I have a voice for that reason. Yeah. I feel like you have a voice for that reason because you are a very good speaker. You, you get excited and people like listening to you. The way you speak says good things or you know, you say a lot of good things when you speak. Um, so you're going to be fantastic. Thank you. Whatever you do, whenever you speak. Um, I saw you at the MS Gala speak. Very proud of you. and. Uh, I want to get to back back to that in a minute, but uh, first thing I want to talk about is the fact that you said you were alone when you're first diagnosed, mm -hmm. and then you started a MS support group, which is still going strong, and that's the 
way I met you. Right. And it's an amazing group. So talk to me about the, well, it's MS Happy Hour now. Right, it right. was the 30 and under group when I joined, right. but I think I was the oldest. I there. called it, I don't know if anybody else, I called it the young MS group. Uh, but nobody else called it that. That was just well, me. Well, I remember it was it was like the 30 and under group or something. I right. was like, uh, yeah. I was like, shit, I was like 37. Yeah, yeah. So then it became the 40 and under group, and I'm like, let's just call it 40 ish. Right, right. right and right. now I'm, I'm like 49, so it's almost 50 ish. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting it's older. It's amazing. It's amazing how but, fast that happens. But the group is a huge help to so many people. Oh, so yeah. thank you for starting it, and tell me what thank that's you. been to you. Oh, it does. Uh, it was amazing. In a way, it was kind of a selfish thing because I was so alone and I knew no one my age. I was like, I, got, I know they're out there, but how do I find them? Right. By contacting the MS Society. And Laura Wyden also did the same thing. Mm -hmm. They got us together and it was like, oh my God, finally I get to meet someone who understands what I'm going through. And so then we started the group, and I think it was initially 25 and under. Ah, way back when. Right. Um, and then it was 30 and under, 35 and under. And then I was like, this is getting ridiculous because we're all getting older. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is called a happy hour. So then they called it happy hour. I'm like, that's brilliant because that's exactly what it is. It just gives us space to, like, bitch and moan and also celebrate all these triumphs that we have, as small as they might be, you know? But to none of us are those things small. No, know? each of our triumphs is huge. And I have been, I've seen so many people come and go in this group or, you know, newly diagnosed people come in mm. and just get so, be so happy to be around people because it's, a, it is, you know, there's not much bitching and moaning, I wouldn't say. I would say that it's more, um, it feels very positive and people are looking for solutions. Mm -hmm. And so when, People go, they get more out of it, and you know they feel fulfilled from it. So, what have you seen with people as you know throughout the years with that? I still, when a new person comes to the group, and I see the relief hit them. Yeah. Like, oh shit, this I'm is, not totally alone. Uh huh. Other people have experienced this. You know that feel. Just watching people make that connection is it was the goal of the group. I just didn't want people to feel alone. And right, it's like right. watching all these people connect with each other and communicate and share their stories. It's super powerful for every single person there, I think. I mean, the stories that you hear of just people triumphing over such adversity is very powerful no matter what your situation is, when you hear people, you know, taking that first step, like I just was talking about the skiing, like not thinking that was ever possible. I got on skis and I did it. Right. Who knew? Right. But it's because I also had someone pushing me, you know, and, and uh, them being paralyzed greatly made me feel like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. So tell that story a little bit. Tell who you met, and you went to Telluride. You have a Telluride sweatshirt on, and I'm right. from Colorado, so yeah. to hell you ride. To hell you ride. Yes. Okay, so what happened was I met. I had my service dog with me in town in Telluride, and he's got his vest on, very official looking, and this huh. guy comes up to me. He's like, oh, so what is your dog for? Which is not definitely the best way to go about it, but whatever. Right. 
tell him, and he's <laughs> like, oh, I was in a ice climbing accident, and a rock fell on my head, and I'm now paralyzed on the right side of my body. And he's like, but do you ski? Could, could you tell, like... I saw him kind of dragging his uh, leg, but uh, I didn't, you know, especially having MS, you know, that shit happens. Right, so. right. Did but you think maybe he has MS? You never know. And then, I, but I told him, and I'm like, well, I can't use my left side so well. And he, I think I was probably the first person he met that understood that instant loss. And I think uh -huh, a lot uh -huh. of... A lot of MSers, it's like a slower progression, but I had this bam, mm -hmm. here you are. And I think like his accident was very much like that. Bam, rock fell on your head, now you can't use the side. So in a way, that instant loss feeling, we had this just this strong connection. Because uh -huh. I think I was probably the first person he met that could understand that. And um, he was determined to get me on skis. And I was like, I can't do that. My left side's weak. He's like, uh, you see me? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess yeah. I have no excuse. Yeah. But he got me on the mountain. And it was the most amazing feeling to be like, oh, my God, I'm up here with a paralyzed guy, yeah. like, on the top of the world. You know, I remember looking out and just being like, holy Toledo, I can't believe I'm doing this right now. And I did it. And Were you was... scared doing it? Oh, yeah. Nervous yeah. as hell? Yeah. So when you're doing that, Talk to me about kind of the mental, what's going through your head? Generally, a lot of frustration and a lot of anger and maybe some sadness because my body is not mine anymore and exactly. it's not reacting the mm -hmm. way my brain wants it to. So there was definitely a lot more frustration initially. But once my body kind of learned this is what I'm doing and I put less pressure on myself which I think is huge yeah to be this like perfect prayer like mm -hmm. like I'm gonna be able to just jump on skis and go know. You know? but don't, does, doesn't your mind go there sometimes oh, like yeah. that's what we want to do well and I think there's also like at least for me there's this comparison mind Total where comparison I'm constantly mind. looking at everybody else yep. like well he can do it I don't have that. Yeah. You know, why don't I have that? And, and it's not necessarily an MS. Life in general, relationships, yeah. jobs, whatever. It's yep. like, why can't I do that? I do that too. And I, I try to, st I notice the comparisons. I'm like, it's not true. Right. So just drop it because it's not true and it's not helping me. So yeah. Yeah. focus no. on me and what I have because comparing doesn't help anything. No. But I know that. And that comparison mind and the frustration mind and the, God damn it, I just want this to feel normal. I'm really working through that myself. Yeah, right, I think we right. all are, you know, yeah. all the time. Uh, were you able to enjoy the skiing portion of it and let that go at times? Yes. Good. That's yes. huge. Yes, that huge. was, That's huge. I don't know what happened. That's huge. But, I mean, that is something that I've had to learn how to do, you know? I, I and I do learned. think that yeah. once I hit 40, a lot of that BS kind of floated away a little bit. I still do comparisons, but not like I used to when I was younger. So, I don't know, time. Time and practice, best. right? Yeah, Some yeah. practice, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I do think that with age comes wisdom, mm -hmm. so to speak, right. um, because it's so easy to get caught up in the I don't have right. and I can't that it's important to notice the cans and I'm glad that you were on that mountain and able to 
recognize the beauty of the day and enjoy it for what it is because what you did is amazing. Right. Right. I mean, right. getting up there—that's that's crazy. You met a guy in a bar, a paralyzed guy in a bar, Chloe, and you went skiing with him. Your <laughs> left side doesn't work. His right side doesn't work. Right. That's a movie script right there. Right. You know? right. Think about all right. the great things. So if you can stop to enjoy that and enjoy it while it's happening, that's the beauty of it. Right. No, and honestly, I'll never forget the instructor was like, I just want you to stop and look back at where you came down. There you go. And that moment, I was like, holy shit. Holy shit. Yeah. Are you serious? Because Telluride just, is friggin' steep. Right, right. But just, yeah. it was more the fact, I don't think it really mattered how steep it was, the yeah. fact that I had yeah. gone that far. You it could know? be a damn parking lot. You right. Know? I'm like, oh, it's over there. But, yeah. Um, I do. But that feeling is what drives me. Absolutely. Like in this yep. whole book writing process, that's the visualization tool. And it's like that same summer camp, I went on a hike of a f my first 14er, right? Wow. Yeah. And I was scared shitless. I wasn't a hiker. I was a horseback person. Uh -huh. Like, but I'm supposed to do a hike. So I go this hike and I struggled the entire way up. Uh -huh. And I was just like, this is, this is hell. I'm never doing this again. And then hitting the peak and being able to look out mm -hmm. onto all those mountains mm -hmm. and be like, holy shit, I just did that. Still gets me a little bit yeah. because it was so powerful. Absolutely. And this is pre-MS. So, but had I known that that mountainscape was gonna be with me for the rest of my life, right. you know, because I really think it's like, we're in this upward battle to climb to the top to get mm -hmm. healthy again or whatever. Right, and right. it's like finding the right tools and tricks to use to get there, to be your best self, whatever that entails is so important. And I really think that, uh, I don't know why that mountain, that view, that image is in my head, always reminds me just keep on pushing because you will reach the top. That's powerful. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Yeah. And there have been a lot of things recently that I've seen you and your exuberance be a part of. And most recently, uh, you and I got to be a part of the MS Awareness Campaign, which you're shaking your head right now, I think in, in unbelievable awesomeness because it was so, it's such a cool experience. So can you tell me what you got out of that? And first of all, it's the MS Awareness Campaign. They did black and white pictures and I just thought it's, it's it's amazingly powerful to me. So powerful. That campaign was probably one of the coolest things I've done in the 20 years, uh -huh. to be a part of that. And and I think it's also important, it showed the difference that each person with MS lives with, uh -huh. you know? And the way that they tackle it and the way that they view life now. And I um, that campaign, I'll never forget <laughs> walking in to the photo shoot sorry and you, that god <laughs> it, it just it's it was so powerful for me to see you standing there with that picture just everything that you've worked so hard for it summed that picture just summed up your life so well and i lost it i'm glad you didn't see sorry I'm glad you didn't see me, but I had to tuck around the other. I was like, oh, my God, look at that. That was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. And I think that the way they captured each person's story 
was so beautiful. It was so well done. Like, I could not have imagined that result. But I think, um, I think that was the point, you know, show, show the diversity mm-hmm. of the illness, show the strength of the people with the illness. Th- Cause I, I think that's something absolutely that's kind of unique to us in a way. All of us mm-hmm. MSers have to gather this strength somewhere in our souls to mm-hmm. be able to get through that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I think that campaign did a really amazing job of showing all the strengths that we do have mm-hmm. that have gotten us to this point, you know? And yeah, it was pretty powerful, definitely. I think it's it very huge. powerful. I love the black and white and I love mm-hmm. the people aspect of it. Yeah. Because as I say all the time, I'm a badass motherfucker. Thanks and right. that's what it takes for us to get up. I mean, just getting up in the morning is tough. And being a part of that campaign, being able to show that strength, what has that given you in how you're moving forward and some of the choices that you're making now, the things that you're doing in your life? Right. Oh my gosh, it gave me so much strength. I think, cause it's hard for us to look at ourselves like that. You know, we know all the struggles and the, the shit we've gone through. Right, right. And we have, I, I, at least maybe I'm speaking, speaking personally, you know, I have more of a challenge of looking at the accomplishments, the positive things. Right. I, I focus well, at least, I, you know, I don't know. I'm just so happy that we could see that strength. It's natural to look at the, the negative things, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like what you're saying in the way that it's important the way you view yourself. You may look at somebody else and say, oh, my God, they're so strong, but I can't do that. Bullshit. You're doing it. Right. You know, a lot of people are doing it every day. So tell, tell me, talk to me about your medication journey because it's very interesting to me where you were, what you thought was working really well, and then what you got on that is working differently. Well, I was on Avanex for 19 years, uh-huh. which I was on a double dose of Avanex for 10 years because there weren't stronger drugs yet. Um, that being one of the first three DMDs out there. Right. Um, Disease modifying drugs. Thank you. One of the ABCs. Have an ex beta serone or copaxone. Yeah. There we go. I just remembered something. That's hey, brilliant. yay for me. See, yay. <laughs> I have a memory. Yes. But no, the, the Avanex was brutal. It was heavy. I felt like crap every time I had to do it. And it wasn't so much the side effects, it was also the needles. Yeah. I hate needles. What do you yeah. mean I have to stab myself every this that's not gonna happen. And you didn't. No. You went someplace. I adapted by yes. having someone else do it because that was making me more anxious than anything. But then they came out with a self-injector. Yeah. Right? So I could do it whenever I wanted. It never took any time. Didn't have to go somewhere for it. And it was the first time I felt like I'm actually in control of my medicine. Uh-huh. I mean, it still was a needle and it still sucked, but I felt more in control. Um, uh. When I met you, though, Chloe, you were on a du- you you were taking a double dose, and I remember that in the MS support group, you're like, "This is great. This is working really well. This is helping me." Mm-hmm. And then, what did you switch to? Ocrevus. Yes. The miracle drug. I mean, I feel like a totally different person since I've been on this drug. I don't know exactly the mechanics of the different drugs, but whatever was in that Avanex right. was heavy. Mm-hmm. And it weighed on me for mm-hmm. 19 years. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it until I switched. Yeah. And I was like, wow, 
this is what it feels like to be like more relatively normal, normal. Yeah. like I feel like I got these layers peeled off of me that were just holding me in and that was the Avenex mm -hmm. and I don't know it worked great for me I mean I did keep progressing so that's why I started the double dose because uh -huh. there wasn't anything stronger um, but once I started the double dose things calmed down I wasn't having episode after episode anymore mm -hmm. um, but did, did your left arm uh, did the tremors start calming down mm -mm. Mm, that had nothing to do with the medicine okay that was the workouts that was acupuncture okay um, I discovered for acupuncture helped me with fatigue and my tremors and I remember when I first starting acupuncture, like, because the, the constant tremor, it's constantly shaking. Uh -huh. You can't calm it or anything. But those 30 minutes or whatever I was on that table, it was still. Really? And I'd always be like, can I just have you walk around yeah. with me all day? Because there was this pressure point that she would push, and uh -huh. it would just calm my tremor. Nice. And I was just like walk around with me Please, all yes. day uh, every day can i put a needle in my leg all day long but she um after so many years and keeping it and when i started i was going like maybe twice a week and then mm -hmm. it was like once every two weeks then it you know as i gained more men momentum it got up to like a month and then uh my acupuncturist retired oh. and it was so hard because yeah. she was like my healer yeah you know? totally she was very much very spiritual person which i think you know it wasn't just the acupuncture did reiki and mm -hmm. all these other things that i initially thought was all like hippy dippy stuff but mm -hmm. it worked it's beautiful i love it <laughs> and it's, i think it's, it's really also your attitude about it yep. you know if i i was lucky that the acupuncture worked for me and i know plenty of people are like it never worked for me right and then i'm like well a, you probably didn't give enough time. Mm -hmm. B, you've got a horrible attitude going. If Absolutely. you think it's not, like you were saying earlier, if you think it's not going to work, it's not going to work. No, I mean, you can, so. yeah, you can tell yourself it's not going to work. Guess right. what? You just told yourself what it's going to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's good. I, I had thought that it was the Avenex that had stopped the tremors, but that's good to know that it's, that it's acupuncture mm -hmm. um, yeah. because I think that is a very powerful tool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and I also think it's the neuroplasticity, yeah. constantly challenging it mm -hmm. with my with my workouts and even that day that I lifted all that weight, like I my arm was giving me issues or my body was giving it. I was like shaking and you know because I was pushing so mm -hmm, hard mm -hmm. and I was like this is when I want to quit. This right. is when I'm done. And you would quit and if then, he wasn't there. Exactly. Yeah. And then he's like, "You got this. You yeah. got this." And I'm like, "Okay." Mr. Know-it-all. <laughs> yeah, okay, Mr. I got this. Yeah, yeah. but, you, you know, did, I and you did. Knew. And, you know, I think that that's part of the strength of MS is that there's so many things that we can't do that when we do something, it's like, holy shit, right. that was awesome. Right. And you really notice it. Right. It, it, it could be something small. Touching your toes together while you're laying exactly. in bed. Seems small. That was huge for me. Huge. Yeah, today I, I lifted my wheelchair up and I lifted my legs. I put my feet pedals up. And I moved my legs like five times. What? I haven't done that before. That's amazing. You know what? I live by myself. I high five myself. I, I yell. I yell in my apartment Here, all the time. 
Yes. That's badass. Great. I got to <laughs> high five a, a, an MS or but yes. Yeah. You know, little things like that I notice. Mm-hmm. I pay attention to and they don't sound like much to somebody else, but they sound like a lot to you and I because we understand. Right, right. We know what it's like. Um and I want to talk about your book. What are you what are you writing about and how's it going? It's going pretty well. I have been writing for a while, but I never really put it all together until I found this organization to help me write this book. And I'm really just telling my story, my journey, how I got through some of those hurdles, mm-hmm. what pushed me to keep moving forward and trying to give some hope and strength those who don't have it, you know, and just to let people know, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not all negative. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, especially when you're first diagnosed, you're so bombarded by all of the what ifs, what could happen, and what's my future like. Mm-hmm. And to see, meet other people through the group or through my book, you know, who've had a similar struggle, who got through it, and are now, you know, living their best lives. And mm-hmm. I think that that's important, it's like to be the best you can be despite your MS. The whole thing of getting diagnosed with a chronic illness, having no clue what your future's gonna hold. When you're first learn those, you know, words you have MS, there's mm-hmm. I don't know what happens exactly in the brain physically, but there's definitely something that shifts in your brain Absolutely. where it's totally life is totally taken on this whole new meaning. It does, yeah. And I think, you know, with this book I kinda wanna give people a perspective that, you know, able-bodied people, if you will, would never understand. And I want to have a good description of those obstacles and how to get over them or just live with them, you know? And Mm -hmm. I just want to give a little strength and hope to other people because that's what we do. Uh, Chloe, I always like to end with uh, a couple of questions. What tips would you give to newly diagnosed people? You know, try to stay positive as possible. Try to network with people who can relate to your issues. Um, And I think, you know, trying to see the glasses half empty rather than half full. Or, sorry, have that backwards. (laughs) No, trying to see the glasses half full and not half empty, you know. That's what editing editing in your book will help out when you you say the wrong things like that. Oh, jeez. Half uh, full, guys. Half full, not yeah, half empty. Yeah, right. But I, you know, I, I, I think people should be aware that the perspective that that we have is is pretty blessed and amazing because not most people know what it's like to lose. If they do, they think it's all over, mm-hmm. and all of us have lost, but we've rebuilt and we've gained more strength by rebuilding those mm-hmm. things and um no none of us are going to be who we were before but that's true for everyone right nobody's who they were at 20 and 50 they're different people and this is just a different challenge that i feel that if you're able to accept it that's a huge piece the acceptance huge. piece yep I mean, those five stages of trauma or grief or whatever they are, are very true and very real. And uh, Mm -hmm. when you get to that final stage of acceptance, there's nothing better. When you're like, okay, I can handle this. This is it. This is what I got. 
And I think um, that by communicating with each other mm -hmm. to share our stories, like that, get that gives us strength. Absolutely. You know, so I would say connection is key. Big time. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I'm extremely thankful that I connected with you 10, 11 years ago. So thankful for everything we've shared over the years and even more thankful now for the journey that we're on that that we are out there spreading the word and, and talking to people and, and knowing that we are badass motherfuckers. Exactly. And we can do this thing. So, yes. um, Chloe, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your story and thank you for being you because you're awesome. Thank you, Jim. You're awesome too. Thanks. I appreciate it. It is so cool that as I'm recording this, I got a text from Chloe, and she said, Oh my God, Jim, life is amazing right now. She has got some things going on that she is just so pumped up about and on fire, you know, because she has created a recipe, and her hard work has taken her to heights that is blowing her mind. It's about finding what works for each of us and striving for a purpose in life. I love watching Chloe and seeing what she has done, knowing that she and I were both diagnosed in 1998 and what we have done is find that power is more important to focus on than the limitations we have plenty of both but the power is what makes our life purpose worthwhile and happen and with that i want to thank you for listening to how you're really doing i hope you found something out of this podcast that will help you in your life's journey and if you haven't done so already please leave a review and subscribe to this podcast i'm jim fairchild I wish everybody out there good luck in finding your recipe to live your best life and hopefully find some clarity for yourself to figure out how you really doing. <laughs>